Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jessica Jones Podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. I thought I'd make sure you had your remaining organs. The Jessica Jones Podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 304, a.k.a. Customer Service is Standing By, comes to you courtesy the crossover knit turtleneck sweater. Clingy, smothering, it won't quit even when you ask it to. Now available in Island Breeze, Citrus, Periwinkle, Orchid Petal, and Poison Apple. Pete, crossover indeed this upcoming week, one in which we will, of course, continue to talk Jessica Jones. We will, of course, hit S.H.I.E.L.D. at the end of the week. Something tells me that we could be discussing Star Trek this week as well with some doings uh, on our end and some doings in the Trekverse as well. Indeed. You know, Matt, it's just what we do at Fantastic Geek, content and podcast. With that, it's time for some surveillance. Let's see what the episode was all about. The episode is written by Jamie King, that's J-A-M-I-E, the staff writer on Jessica Jones, not J-A-I-M-E King, the actress. It's directed by Liesl Tommy, a relatively new director. She's previously helmed episodes of The Walking Dead, Dietland, and Insecure. She also directed for the stage, the play Eclipsed, written by Denai Guerrera, starring Lupita Nyong'o. As for the episode, it's cookout time on a hot summer afternoon. Sal throws a hot dog at... Eric, is that you? Telling him that he's got a week to pay all the money or he's going under the pool for even longer. In the present day, Eric tells Jessica he's got 12 hours left to pay. She doesn't want him dead, yet. Maybe it's some other people he kind of blackmailed? He doesn't have much on them, just that they're bad. He knows this because he's, dramatic pause, super. He can sense darkness in people. With the worst, he senses a void in humanity and it comes as a headache. Jessica believes him and is going to use those blackmailees as a list of those to investigate over her stabbing. Trish arrives, sharing news of Brant's arrest and getting news about Eric. Jess doesn't need her help, though. Trish leaves, hearing Eric talking about Blaskowski. The story stays with Jess, who tracks down the money drop of one of Eric's victims, Todd White. He paid up, and he's an accountant. They're off to confront him at his apartment. Eric says it's not him, he's not the stabber, but Jessica's digging further nonetheless. A walk around the apartment shows that Todd likes the wrong kind of pictures. Jessica traps him in a closet and calls 911. Good deed done, Eric's counting the money that Todd left and says he would have turned Todd in too, eventually. They're off to blackmail-y number two, with a 50-50 shot of it being the stabber. Trish calls to say Blackskowski is Sal. In a swanky office, J.J. and Eric track down a woman in a nice office. What's she done? She skimmed from petty cash for her mom's operation and funeral. Jessica roughs her up a bit, then announces to the office that Raina Pincer has embezzled millions from the pension accounts. Jessica suggests the office handles it, unless they don't ever want to retire. The third blackmail money drop doesn't have the money. Eric's ready to take his money to Sal, but Jess wants to pursue baddie number three. Eric knows she or they can't make a dent in all the bad people. They split and Eric races to pay his bills. Sal and the goons aren't happy he's paid late. Into the pool he goes for some dunk time with weights. In he goes, but Trish saves the day, knocking out the goons and giving Eric a chance to escape. 
He runs off and Sal takes a swing at Trish with a crowbar. Sal falls on the crowbar, bleeding. Later, Trish calls the ER, learning that Sal is all right. Jessica, meanwhile, goes to investigate Batty number three. He's a reader, a photographer, and he's Jeffrey Salinger, a lawyer, psychologist, chemist, and engineer, an overachiever who's athletic and aggressive, too. His kitchen is also missing a knife. With that, Salinger enters. She records the conversation. Turns out he's got hidden cameras and is recording her, too. He says she's doubling down on her self-delusion, that she is a fraud. One day she'll meet her match, but that's not him. He's superior to her, and he calls 911, fake crying. Meanwhile, Jerry Hogarth is having assistive handles added to her toilet, and an expert is talking about making the entire apartment more accessible to someone with advancing ALS. More grab bars, no rugs, and a lazy boy. Jerry will need help eventually, but for now, she kicks out the advisor. At the law office, Malcolm has burned the midnight oil, wondering whether he's working for Hogarth or the firm. He can't talk about it with Zaya, despite their easy rapport. He leaves and someone eases open the office window, from the outside. He returns and there's a masked baddie with ninja skills. It's Trish. She wants to take on the baddies Hogarth defends. He tells her to scram. Malcolm has an update about Professor Peter. He thinks Jerry is using Malcolm's investigative skills to break up the marriage. He's got more information and will share it with a promotion, financial incentives, an office, and more. She'll pay. Turns out Peter's been taking money from the scholarship fund set up for his late daughter. The money goes to make his lady friends more comfortable. Jerry won't act on it for now. Later, Jerry's taking Kiff to see La Mer. She introduces her to Matthias, the musical director of the Philharmonic. Jerry's trying to push the two together, professionally, and they go and take their seats. But Kith doesn't want more, doesn't aspire for more. During the show, Kith's fingers wander and Jerry is not displeased. After the show, both are glowing. They kiss and are interrupted by Professor Peter calling. Kith thanks Jerry for the evening and goes home to her husband. Jerry's displeased and messages Malcolm to release the dirt on Professor Peter. Jessica ends up at home and finds Eric at her door, slumped yet only asleep. He info shares that a masked chick saved him and both enter her apartment to find what Salinger left. There's a bag of bloody money and she intuits Salinger is a murderer who believes Jessica and Eric have proof. Trish on TV talks about wearing clothes that fill you with confidence and call attention to yourself. They take a call from Jessica in Hell's Kitchen. She's ready to buy that sweater, but which one? The sweater that won't quit and Jessica needs Trish's help. She needs a secret weapon. The episode ends with Salinger carefully cutting an apple, wearing a protective bodysuit, a dead man with a slit throat behind him. What suspects are our focus in this episode? Pete, let's start with Sal Blaskowski. Yeah, this lady we see at the beginning of the episode not quite understanding the context. Is, is Eric swimming in a neighbor's pool? winds up she is a pretty fierce loan shark who gets her comeuppance she does and i think that the episode presents her in such an interesting way where we are never unclear as to her being villainous we're never unclear that she's on a a side opposed to people that we like like eric and jess but there's something kind of curmudgeonly and fun about her 
just this loan shark running stuff out of her backyard with her boys. Are they her sons? Are they just her her muscle? It's weird and wonderful, and I almost want more of Sal Bleskowski. <laughs> uh, you never know, Matt. She's she's clinging to life, as we have learned here. Uh, so who knows? Next up, Pete, we learn more about Eric here, who goes from friendly guy at a bar with an offer for burgers and extra to running his own scheme of sorts. Yeah, a blackmailer, which leads us on this, you know, side quest they go on to pick up money. People have left him and uh, a couple more suspects on our list. Yes, it's Jessica Jones, private investigator, doing private investigations, which I feel like the show has dealt with larger issues than, you know, mission of the week type stuff. And that's fine. But I feel like baked into the DNA of the show is that private investigator. We don't see enough of it. Uh, certainly in the course of this, Pete, we get the standard first one, second one, third one. Welcome to Western storytelling. Uh, and uh, we get Todd White, who I think we are all glad is found by the NYPD in his uh, closet through which uh, is the creepy photography room. Yeah, the kitty porn guy, definitely deserving of the justice that Jessica and Eric present him with. Pete, next up is Raina Pincer, who was just stealing a little petty cash because mom was ill and then passed away. Oh, and no one has pensions anymore. Yeah, not just the petty cash. That's what she at first confessed to. And then the inaudible uh, that Jessica blurts out to the rest of the audience um, in the office there. And uh, there's a certain certain sense of Shirley Jackson's lottery, you know, now everyone in the office, it's up to you to, to meet out justice. I certainly don't mean to suggest that, that uh, Raina Pincer is going to be, you know, <laughs> meet her end at the hands of the crowd. But it, you know, the initial reaction certainly is one of, of, of mob justice here. And it kind of contrasts our last villain here. The, uh, the introduction at long last of Gregory Salinger photographer, lawyer, psychologist, chemist, engineer, wrestler. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued by his late introduction into the season. And, uh, you know, this notion of this man who thinks himself her vast superior to the point that she is an aunt to him. It's definitely an interesting introduction to this character. Uh, only wish a little bit more clarity at this point um you know we leave him at the end of the episode he's cutting up the apple he's uh you know covered himself up so not to get carnage on his outfit and of course there's a dead body in the background yeah leave us wanting more episode four cryptology where we uncover hidden messages and larger themes pete I feel like the episode was visually quoting American Psycho at the end. It's rare that one sees one of those, uh, I think in another context, those like CSI style, you know, medical biohazard type suits that cover everything but the face. And here we have a psycho chopping up people. Do you like Huey Lewis in the news? (laughs) 
I would love to talk uh, business card fonts right now, Pete. But uh, again, feed, sticking, me a, feed me a dead or a stray cat. <laughs> again, sticking with Salinger here, the constant complaint, though perhaps not applicable to every season of Marvel Netflix, but the constant complaint has been story bloat, 10 episodes stretched over 13, that sort of thing. And, you know, with this idea that we already have most of four episodes out of the way before what I'm presuming is the season-long baddie, what the what the season trailer told me was the season-long baddie, you know, now, now we're in that interesting position in terms of managing audience expectations for pacing because here he is essentially out of the blue, only really revealed to be truly villainous at the very end of this episode. I definitely appreciate the buildup. It hasn't been laborious in terms of these early episodes. When you think about Jess being stabbed at the end of the first episode and at the end of the fourth episode, we've we've meandered to Salinger. I'm fine with that. Pete, what theories are on your radar? Is Eric actually powered? And if so, how did he gain these abilities? Uh, your first question is one I had not stopped to consider. It would be, it would be darkly funny if he's running a scam on everyone or running a scam most immediately on Jess, particularly since we can see in regards to his troubles with Sal that he's at a, you know, a muscle deficit, if you will. Um, he also needs to hurry up his collection of these, these blackmail payments Jessica provides him both muscle and expediency. Uh, you could be onto something here. How about Jerry ignoring her body? She has the uh, the woman in her uh, home early in the episode with the special toilet seat and then wants to discuss bed rails. And it seems as if that's a point in the episode that Jerry decides, nope, and she's going to go for broke with Kith. I think it's a very telling moment. I think it's completely in line with the character of Jerry. And I think we've known about the ALS for some time now, but I think that that scene, while not overtly giving us something for this episode, uh, maybe as you suggest, Pete, covertly giving us, um, you know, go for broke, live in the now, that sort of thing. But uh, I, I think for the season, it now has set this story clock of, you know, she's not making out, she's not making it out of this season um, in the, in the shape that she is right now, whether it's advancing, whether it's, she goes for those pills, whatever it might be. It's a reminder that this is a serious and worsening condition. With the origin of every superhero, there's a point at which they come to regret gaining their powers. We've seen this a number of times with Jessica. It's particularly the nature of her character. But for the first time, Trish is put in a position where she's harmed someone, though they deserved it. But remember that uh, Sal fell on the crowbar and uh, she's calling the hospital later, which completely breaks HIPAA privacy by the way, by telling her over the phone, oh, that, that lady is, you know, stable. Um, well, let me respond to the second part first. Yes, it 
circumvents HIPAA, I give the show credit for Story having, HIPAA? Well, it's it's the person the person on the other end says, Are you family? And Trisha's response is, I just want to know if she's okay. To be honest, in that moment, my mind filled in, you know, person making two little dollars an hour, whatever it is, not enough money per hour, answering the phones at the ER. And I just imagine this moment where they were like, well, if this person knows first name and last name who it is, and they're not asking for, wait, will she be home to uh, empty out her bank account? Or can I have her credit cards? This person just wants to know if she's okay. (sighs) Fine. Yes, she's stable. Like, I just imagine it's something that somebody at an overworked ER with whatever the particulars are going on. I feel like the show gave enough cover, even though, you know what, medical professionals, you should know better. Off screen, Matt, there is undoubtedly a uh, a summons from uh, Hogarth's law firm for that uh, person who gave out that information. Eh, maybe, but. Pete, when they start to make Marvel Netflix shorts, then we can we can see the story of uh, the night ER receptionist. Ooh, it'll be exciting. Uh, what is on Kith and Peter's DVR? I just, I, it's probably something completely inane and borderline boring. You know, like, uh, and with all due respect, if you're a fan, a dear listener, but you know, something like Antiques Roadhouse or Roadshow. I was going to say that. <laughs> like something like that, something that is the opposite of open marriage and Kith is going out to the Philharmonic and letting her fingers wander while Professor Peter is back in his office with a grad student. Um, and, you know, that just even sidesteps the money that he's taking, just the the consensual knowledge that's going on in the marriage. I just imagine they go home and it's like, hey, I made milkshakes. It's your favorite. Vanilla, the most boring of milkshakes. Let's drink our milkshakes and watch Antiques Roadshow. It'll be great, honey. And it's just, there. it works. What is Salinger's game? I have absolutely no idea. And that is in contrast to most of these Marvel Netflix story arcs where gotta be the one running harlem or you know uh it's the mob uh deal the mob kill gone wrong in punisher season two or kingpin back for revenge this notion that he thinks himself smarter than jessica uh while not physically up to her her super standards it's just a fascinating direction that the story can go i know there is a vague comics connection which uh, which my spoiler free brain has kind of you know scrubbed the connection whatever it was that i fleetingly saw uh but i feel like there's so much potential for these these upcoming you know the upcoming two-thirds of the season does this dude that salinger has killed matter or is this just random background dead guy I think mostly random background dead guy, except it could be a story in for an enterprising PI to say, wait, and now, you know, heroin Joe has gone missing. Oh, look, here's the clues. Here's the footage. Wait, that's Salinger. Oh, my goodness. It's all connected back to him. Let's check our mail drop. Here's what you have to say. Pete, we have an email from our pal Mike. 
and he says as follows, a minor continuity error with our friendly burger boy, Eric, I believe, when he comes out of the pool from Granny Bookie, she threatens to add a third plate the next time she drops in the pool. But when the kid's making fun of him and tosses the doll in the pool, there were three plates at the end of the rope laying at the bottom. It's a small thing, I know, but I still noticed. Also, Burger Boy seems to have lifted his powers from an M. Night movie that I've seen somewhere along the way. Pete, that email <laughs> from Mike. There are four plates. I certainly would hope that the production in the future would be more careful uh, of things like that. Uh, I do give the show credit, though, that it's not... The whole issue of the weights and this and that, it's not entirely clear. And it kind of just unfolds like, do the Houdini act. Like, yeah, you get thrown in there as punishment. And, you know, you need to untie yourself. Uh, Again, it's a fun little character affect there with Sal. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see her again. But, I mean, what an episode, what a presence here. Indeed. Luckily, Pete, helping keep our heads above water, at least when it comes to our storage costs and whatnot it's the people who go to patreon.com slash fantastic geek and help lend a hand everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content all sorts of levels past that all it takes is a dollar to get you in the door indeed pete it helps keep the podcast sustainable keeps that back catalog out there our future plans in motion There are lots of perks, but the best one is always free. Pete, that's talking to you on Twitter. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 10,536 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek, all one word, with the P, with the H, like it today. Well, Pete, we will be talking more Jessica Jones this upcoming Wednesday. As I said, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. next weekend, some Star Trek along the way as well. With that, time to say adios to all our listeners, and I will give you, Pete, the final word. I'm happy to help. Thanks for calling. <laughs>